All right, so we're in this series on the fruit of the Spirit uh, from Galatians 5.22. And uh, this week we're on the fourth fruit. It's, it's the fruit of patience. If I were to subtitle it, I'd say, give me patience now. Uh, but we'll probably go with the pursuit of patience as a, as a subtitle. Uh, as Pastor Eddie pointed out, the holiday season is a time where, where oftentimes you realize when you, where you have a lack of patience, where the fruit of patience is not fully uh, developed in your life. Uh, and, it, and it's a really, patience is a really fascinating Christian virtue that reveals uh, our faith and our trust in God's timing, in his power and sufficiency, and also in his love. Patience uh, a lack of patience reveals the absence of trust in God's timing, God's power, and God's love. And so really, a lack of patience, what that's reflecting is a lack of faith, whether in a large, in a, in a large way or a, a small way. I might say that, you know, if, if Pastor Eddie had had a different day on Friday and he had lost his patience and was banging on the steering wheel because he was stuck in traffic, that would have been kind of a... a uh, it's certainly a lack of perspective, but maybe not a lack of faith in God's timing, although that might be the thing that's undergirding it. There are other places that do reveal more immediately our, our distrust in God's timing. Sometimes that has to do it, especially if that is, has to do with our personal life at large. So the promotion that you want and you don't have yet, right? And, and we're, we're frustrated or anxious or angry or, or unsettled can, can, can represent a, a distrust in God's timing. Maybe healing hasn't come yet or a relationship hasn't been restored yet. And, and you're frustrated and you're angry and you're impatient for God to do the thing that you feel like he should do. That could reveal a lack of trust or a lack of, of belief that God can or will. It's a fascinating virtue because it's both, patience is both commanded of us, but it's also fruit at the same time. So the Bible does these two things and they're kind of, they feel opposed to one another. It's really a, a paradox where we're commanded to deal with each other or to live with each other in patience, but then we also can't produce patience on our own. And so we're dependent on God to give us patience. So we're commanded to walk in this thing that we can't produce and it comes only from, from God. Um, you know, and, and so as we consider the pursuit of patience, um, I think what I want to do is I want to, I want to show a video clip because our pursuit of patience, what will happen is it, it doesn't, re, pursuing patience doesn't produce patience in us, but we actually have to pursue something else in order for patience to be, uh, developed in us. And it made me think of this, of this movie scene. More oil that flows. I'll keep an eye on them. Well, thanks, Doc. I've been feeling a cord load. This ain't asphalt, son. This is dirt. Oh, great. What do you want? You here to gloat? You don't have three-wheel brakes, so you've got to pitch it hard, break it loose, and, and just drive it with the throttle. Give it too much, you'll be out of the dirt and into the tulips. So you're a judge, a doctor, and a racing expert. I'll put it simple. If you're going hard enough left, you'll find yourself turning right. Oh, right. That makes perfect sense. Turn right to go left. Yes! Thank you! Or should I say no thank you? Because in opposite world, maybe that really means thank you. 
crazy grandpa car. What an idiot. <laughs> So if Doc, the old racing car, if you've seen the movie Cars, uh, is, is Paul, and Lightning McQueen is the Church of Colossae, <laughs> uh, Paul hears about uh, this church in Colossae from his friend. He, Paul didn't plant this church in Colossae. He didn't, he didn't, he'd never met them. He'd never been there. Uh, and he finds himself in prison, and he hears this great report about their 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 faith in Christ and their love for each other. And he is so amped up that he's like, I'm going to write them a letter to encourage them. And uh, twice in this book of Colossians, he, 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 talks, about, he talks about patience uh, because he knows that patience is going to be enormously critical. As he's writing this letter from jail, it's somebody who's speaking from a place of authority and understanding that, hey, patience is going to have to be a virtue that you walk in, that you experience the fruit of, so that the, so that the glory of God can be shown in and through your lives. Uh, patience is, is not just for when we have a gap between the thing that we want and right now. So it'd be easy right now to talk about how my kids want Christmas to be here and they're all really impatient for Christmas to get here. But, but I, I realized in preparing for this message that patience is actually a lot weightier than that. It's a lot more significant than that. Uh, patience also has to, has to do with times of suffering. Right, like we don't think of patience being something that we would need in a time of suffering or discomfort, but that's that's actually what biblical patience is getting at. Biblical patience, like we we boy, like we we kind of we we lighten it by making it just about waiting for Christmas to get here or waiting for something good to get here, but it's also the the patient and uh, the patient and uh, restful waiting in times of suffering or difficulty. Uh, that the patience is made manifest. And so Paul is writing to them to encourage them. And he wants to tell them, keep Jesus at the center of it. And he's going to describe what life is like under the rule of Jesus as they relate to each other in this family. So if you could stand with me, that brings us to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And I want to read this together. And then uh, I want to make uh, three quick points. And so from the day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, wake us up to what true patience is and how it can be manifested in our life for your glory, for the sake of the world that you created and its redemption. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to talk about how 
Paul shows us in this book of Colossians how when we want, when we want more patience, when we need more patience, what we need to do is not pursue more patience, but it is that we need to pursue the one who gives us patience. And, and so Paul offers that we need a change in perspective that produces a pleasing life and opens up the channel for power than to manifest patience in our life. So he opens up with this, this introduction. And so he says, hey, from the day that I've heard of you and your love for one another and your, your faith in Christ, we haven't ceased to pray for you. We all need a friend like this who's going to pray for us because prayer isn't, this is, this is so much more meaningful than my thoughts are for you. But prayer is, cre- God has created prayer as a means of a, his purpose and his will being accomplished in the earth through his people. So as we pray, not only are our hearts changed and our lives transformed, not only are we then motivated oftentimes to move in the direction of demonstrating the love, the compassion, the mercy, the justice, the righteousness that caused us to cry out to God in the first place, but it also, by God's design, provokes him to action on behalf of the person who's being, who, who needs assistance or help or care. So as I pray for, for you, God moves because it's his prompting that caused me to pray for you. Does that make sense? So God in his sovereignty has given us this gift of prayer to cry out to him that prompts him then to move. And, and so you get into this, is God sovereign or is there free will? And is God moving because I prayed? And what happened if I didn't pray? And, and I think that those are, aren't very fruitful conversations. What I do know is that the Bible commands us to pray. And it tells us that God is moved by our prayers. And so I pray and I see God move. And I know that oftentimes when I don't pray, I don't see God move. Right? Anybody else have that experience? And so we've got this gift of prayer. And so Paul is, is using this gift of prayer. Now, have you ever thought about what you would say if you were given the opportunity to stand in front of a, of, uh, a very significant and powerful council? Let's say you stood in front of the UN. What would you say? If you stood in front of the president of the United States or another nation, what would you say after you were done slinging mud or complimenting or doing what? Like once you got past the first idea, have you thought about it beyond that first idea? What you need to do is this. Well, then what? Then what would you say? Right? After, after you're done telling him what the problem is or telling her what the problem is or telling them how proud you are of them or, or, or how wonderful you think they are, then, then what are you going to talk about? Have you ever had that thought? Maybe you're having that thought now. Now what Paul does is Paul is approaching the throne of grace. So he's, create, he's approaching the creator of the universe and the one in whom is the power to accomplish everything and anything that that he desires to do. So he's approaching God and, and the thoughts that he has towards this church in Colossae is not, God, let them feel safe. He wasn't, God, give them lots of money. It wasn't, God, let them have the things that are in their heart to have. Paul approaches the throne of grace. He approaches the one who can do absolutely everything and anything. And he says, God, give them a new perspective. God changed their perspective. Change the seat they're sitting in. Now, I, I, uh, I was a talkative kid in, in school. I'm, I'm still a talkative kid in many ways. And I have a hard time sitting in a classroom environment. If I'm not in the front, I get, I get distracted. Uh, because me. And so I'm in the back. And, 
I, w- I would start talking and then inevitably I would end up getting called to the front of the class and I had to sit in the front of the class. The perspective was always very different. It was, I was in the same room. But now I was seeing the room from another seat and it felt different. Have you ever come into church and somebody was sitting in your unassigned assigned seat? <laughs> right? And, 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 then, and then you had to sit. You're like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, well, you've got my seat. I'm going to sit somewhere completely different so I don't stew the whole service that you're like in my place. And, you know, so like, so like if, you're, if you're used to sitting over here and then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to sit over here because there are people here because it's Easter or Christmas or whatever. And, and so now I'm in a different place and it, it's a different experience, isn't it? Yeah. And so what Paul is asking for essentially is that people would experience uh, a new perspective and that they'd get moved from the seat that they're in to the seat they get for, up to a heavenly seat so they can have God's perspective on things. And so he prays that I ask that you would have knowledge of the will of God. Not, now you're going to fill your life with knowledge of something. Right now I'm filled with knowledge of how to beat this stupid little stick game that my son downloaded on my phone. Filled with knowledge about it. It's going to do me no good at all in any of life unless I find myself in a life or death situation where I need to draw sticks to walk across gaps between lines. And then my knowledge will come to use. Absolutely useless. Paul is saying, I don't want you to be knowledgeable about stick figure games. And I don't want you to be knowledgeable about, about the, the Netflix series that you're watching or the statistics of your favorite sports team. He's saying, I want you more than anything else to be knowledgeable about the will of God. I want you to change the seat that you're sitting in from one of an earthly perspective to one of a kingdom perspective or a heavenly perspective so that you can have the mind of Christ in the things that you're facing. So I want you to know the things that God knows. And he, God, wants you to know the things that he knows. But you're gonna, it's going to take a, a willingness on your part to approach that, that knowledge. And so knowledge deals with the, in, the information. And then he's like, but I also want you to have understanding. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, with all spiritual wisdom, I want you to have wisdom. And wisdom is that, is that part that tells you which tool do I need to do. And it's the strength to, to, to do the thing that needs to be done in the moment. Right? It's to say, hey, this, to get through this, we need this tool, and, and I'm going to use this tool to accomplish this thing. Now, understanding is the ability to abstract the meaning out of information. What's the significance of it? Now, now, if you, if you open the hood of a car, and, and we looked at it, and I'd be like, yep, that's, that's, that's the engine. And it just makes things go. Because there's magic inside of it. <laughs> and it's just raw. And there's the dipstick. And I, you can pull it out and see how much oil there is. Don't know what you do with that knowledge. But there's, there's a dipstick. And the brake fluid goes in that hole. And, and there's another hole that the windshield wiper fluid goes in. And just don't get the holes confused when you, when you refill it. Because that will cause problems. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know anything beyond that. But a mechanic will come up and has understanding and is able to divide its parts and understands the inner workings of the engine. He knows that it's not about, it's not a bunch of like gnomes inside the engine, like making it go. It's, it's not magic. It's gasoline. It's combustion. It's like a series of explosions that are controlled and it's pushing you down the street. And that's a pretty remarkable thing. And that's what understanding is. Now you can have knowledge and understanding and lack wisdom and you're stuck in the mud. Because you may not have the courage or the ability to see it through, or you may not know how to apply the knowledge that you have. 
Now, knowledge without, knowledge without understanding and wisdom, you've got, you've got a gap. You're like, uh, you, you, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly wise person. I have the courage to follow through. I've got some information, but I'm not sure what the application of this information is. So you need this, you need these three things working together. Now, I want to pause for just a second to ask, what do you talk to God about? Because this is what Paul is talking to God about concerning the church in Colossae. And, and this is what kind of extends to us as, as the family of God and, and as recipients of the gospel, of the promises of God. And, and what is it that you are talking to God about? Is it, is it mostly complaint? Now, I do a lot of praying without knowledge, understanding, or wisdom. I'm like, God, this has just got to move. It's got to move. I've spent very little time in my life asking for understanding. I have not spent a whole lot of time saying, God, give me grace to understand your will in this moment. Or God, give me, give me uh, knowledge to understand the parts in this moment. Give me wisdom in this moment. My prayers are normally kind of a truncated version of all of those. Lord Jesus, just end this thing. However you need to end it, just end it. End me, end them, end all of it. I Just take us all home. Come home, Jesus. Just you like apocalypse us now because I don't know how to get through this. But I spend very little time asking for these things that Paul is instructing us are really, really important. Because, because when we receive these things, our seat changes. And when our seat changes and our perspective of the issues is different, now God can accomplish certain things in our soul that wouldn't be accomplished if he just ended it. You tracking? And so, so back to, back to this. And so what we have is this really cool, this really cool collision of, of these things where you've got knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And, and inside of that, God opens up the ability for us to live a life that's pleasing to him. Because now I'm not just living in the circumstance. Now I have some insight into what God is up to. Because he's pleased to share that with us. Now, now oftentimes it's a, it's a veiled image. It's a limited understanding. It's, it's not a full version of what it is. But there, there can come peace from understanding what God is up to. Or sometimes it's just what he may be up to. And what he may be up to is, is, um, is, is you know, sometimes it's, we just settle for speculation. Well, you know, God could just be making it hard on you. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know. But if we ask God for that knowledge, that understanding, and that wisdom, he begins to speak to us and give us understanding so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Because how we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord isn't, isn't something that's available to us in checkboxes and rules and, and, and diagrams. It's, it's more artistic than it is scientific. You can't, you can't just, it's not just a process where I check off these things and that is the life worthy and pleasing of God. But what, what God is calling us to is it to a life where we follow the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit and, and we stay with him in, in all things. And so we follow his leading, we follow his guiding. He hems us in from the front and from behind and then we stay in his will and that's, that's where our safety is, that's where our health is, that's where our protection is, that's where our provision is, that's where our wholeness is, that's where our transformation is. What happened to Marcus is he stepped right into the will of God his wife had understanding and knowledge <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and the wisdom. And she's like, babe, this is what you need. This is what God is preparing you for. Get in. And so he, he gets in and he's kind of walking along in this thing. And, and because he's where God needed him to be, because there was knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, God is able to transform his life and bring a new perspective and put him in a different seat and help him not just understand the world differently, but understand himself differently. And that's what Paul is asking for, for us. He couldn't tell them which way to vote or that they should use X brand or Y brand or which job to take. He couldn't tell them which job not to take. He couldn't tell them which person to marry or which person not to marry. He couldn't tell them which relationship to sow into and which one not to sow into specifically. He does say a lot about, about helpful relationships and unhelpful relationships. But then when it gets down to the nitty gritty and the specifics of it, he, he can't give us that information. That's information that comes from God as God gives us knowledge, wisdom and understanding. And so this is that the ability to live a pleasing life comes from God gracing us with these gifts that don't come from ourselves, but it comes from him. And we progress once more and we move to this place where now being, living this life of, uh, living this life that is pleasing to God, we're now positioned. Now a channel is opened up for the power of God to flow to us. And here we are, as we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is that as the power of God comes through this channel of a pleasing life that's only possible because of the death, the resurrection, uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we, now we find ourselves in a, in a position to be able to receive power. And when the power of God presses on our life, it produces endurance and, endurance and patience. This patience to be able to, to willingly give ourselves to God's process. Now armed with knowledge of God's will. Knowing that he wants to produce certain things. Now there's, there's the general will of God that we can, we can all know. And you can take that to the bank. It's never changing. That's for his glory to be manifested in the earth. The knowledge of his will that he, that he would be in relationship with his creation and that his creation would glorify him in, in all things. There's that general will of God that we can, all, we can all take that to the bank every single time. I've got this friend. He's got, a, he's got this prophetic bent. And I, I love to just walk up and be like, hey, man, what's, what's God saying like right now? What's the word? And, and just put him on the spot in like weird times. Like he's ordering tacos. And I'm like, ready, go. You know, like, like floor is lava, right? You know, and I'm like, I'm like, prophesy. You know, and he's like, I'm trying to eat. You know, like he's like disciplining his kids. And I'm like, what's the word of the Lord? And he's like, ah, you know. And, and so I love, I love messing with my friend. But, but a few months ago, what my friend started doing is he started just being like, Jesus is at the right hand of God. And I'm, I'm like, oh, that's not fun anymore because it's true. And I can't argue with that, but you're not messed up by it anymore. But there's this general truth, this revelation that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and he rules and reigns over all things and that our Savior's alive. And so he's kind of like, what else do you need to know, buddy? And I'm like, no, that's good. Thank you. Because I don't feel like arguing with the Bible. Right? I don't feel like arguing with Jesus, the sovereignty of Jesus. And so he's, he's right. He ruined my gain, but he's, but he's right. And so what we have is then the power for patience. Now, now back to the turn right to go left. 
has anybody, you know, we've got these, these idioms, we've got these expressions that we share, like, don't pray for patience, God will put you in a situation where you need it. <laughs> I've said it, I've said it, and I know you've probably said it too. I know I think that way, it's not, that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is if you pray for patience, you're, you're, you're actually not necessarily, you're praying for the fruit, but what you really should be praying for, if you want patience, is for more of God. And so when God puts you in a situation where you need more patience and you realize the end of your patience, you serve a God who never runs out. You serve a God who never runs out of power and you serve a God who never runs out of patience. And so the never-ending supply of nachos, we don't have to worry about it running out. Like if I use up my patience on my first kid, I'm not going to have any patience for my second, third, and fourth kids. Or it's like my fourth kid be like, hey, sorry, I'm, I'm maxed out. Um, <laughs> I, you got you know, three siblings and you get no patience. <laughs> because God hasn't a limitless supply of power and his power is that which produces patience. And so God may put you in a position where you realize the end of your patience, but the solution family is not to cry out for more patience. The solution is to cry out for the power of God to be manifested in your life as he fills you with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Amen. We have an opportunity. Reggie, can you go ahead and come on up? Patience is not something that is just required of us. It's, it's something that's rewarded to us. As we seek God, as we draw near to him, as we, as we love him, as we cry out to him, like Paul cried out for them, for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. I want to pray. I want to pray with you in this moment. Uh, just because we're people, I know that there are places in our lives where, where, there's, where we know we're at the end of our patience. Some of, you, it's your, some of you, it's your kids. You're at the end of your patience. Some of you, it's, a, it's your health. You're at the end of your patience or your finances. Or it's the holidays or it's the traffic. Did I say finances already? Maybe it's your finances twice. Maybe it's your relational status. Right? Maybe it's because you're single or maybe it's because you're married. And you just haven't seen, your spouse just isn't who you thought they were going to be yet. And, and that could either be because you thought wrong or because God is in and God is working to something different than you expected. Or or some of you it's just that maybe you saw right but there's a process that that they need to go through at the same time as God takes you through a process that they're waiting on also. <laughs> whatever that is, if I missed it, whatever whatever those things are, wherever there is wherever you realize that you've plumbed the depths of your own patience and you need the fruit of the patience of God to be manifested in your life. I want you to pray with me. God, we recognize in this moment that you are a holy God and King. And there is, there is nothing that you can't do. 
we could ask you for virtually anything in the world. We could ask you for anything on earth. But today we align our hearts with your word. We align our hearts with the prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Colossae. And we ask that you would give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of where you've placed us. God, that you would still our hearts. Just here in your presence, that you would bring stillness and rest to our soul as we hold up these anxious places before you. As we trust you with the timing. God, we trust you that you're sufficient. We trust you that you're loving. That we're not forgotten, even in the midst of the difficulty that we may find ourselves in. God, I ask that you would remind us, show us vividly in our hearts, in, our, in, the, in the eye of our hearts, in, the, in, the, in our mind's eye. Remind us of the patience that you've had with us. And allow that love, that patience, that rest to overflow in our lives. And God, I ask that you would change our seat and give us perspective to know what to ask for. To know how to walk with you in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.